Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we have spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And I want to let you know we appreciate the great response we've had to the first four seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast. But all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com and searching for Strengthening the Soul of your leadership podcast. Steve, what is Patreon? I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh, it's like a Luddite. <laughs> I know. Just enlighten me, please. Patreon is a great way that people who listen to you and who love the Ministry of Transforming Center and who've gotten things out of this podcast to be able to give $2 a month, $5 a month or more, and they get they get bonus content from you, Ruth, that no one else gets. Exclusive <laughs> Wonderful. bonus content. There's no downside to that, is there? There is no, no downside. downside. So go to patreon.com, everybody. Search for Ruth Haley Barton or Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And please join us by becoming a monthly patron. Ruth, here we are, episode 10 and uh, Pure Presence, one of my favorite chapters in the book. Um, so let's pause, though, and do a little review. What does it mean for Elijah and for us to stay on the journey of solitude and silence. And when we do have the courage to stay, to not leave, what do we experience with God and with ourselves? Well, it is hard to wait in the emptiness and through the emptiness, and it takes a certain kind of commitment and a certain kind of stamina. But if we do that, if we can stop defending ourselves to God, if we can stop rationalizing our reality, if we can really be present to what's real in our lives and let go of attachments and, you know, notice where we're clinging and grasping and, and really let it go. Um, if we can endure the storm of the false self and the true self fighting for control, then we enter into a place of very deep trust in God. That's very quiet. I mean that you probably can't even articulate very well. It just gets very quiet on the inside. And we realize that we're trusting God with ourselves in a new way. Um, and that there's a deeper kind of peace and openness and receptivity and acceptance that we're experiencing. And that in itself is a, is a very significant movement in the spiritual life, given how activistic we tend to be. Um, and we might also become aware that some of the pains and the chaos and everything that we have projected onto the world outside of ourselves actually exists within us. And so in the quiet, we continue to sit and allow that inner chaos now that we're aware of to settle. So there's still the need to stay with it, to not run, and to let the chaos, the jar of river water that's all shaken up, to continue to let it to settle. And now we're more aware of the fact that it's inside. It's not out there anymore. We can't blame it on the culture. We can't blame mm-hmm. it on our church. can't blame it on our family. We can't blame it on anything else except that that's what's true within us. And so um, we just allow it to settle even more deeply. And also we might become aware of just this desperate desire now for healing, for Mm -hmm. communion with God, 
um, for quiet and peace on the inside. And we are willing to do anything to get it. So sit as long as we need to or whatever, mm-hmm. but we are no longer as attached to what goes on in the external world and our longing for healing and communion and love and experience with God becomes paramount and ultimate in our lives. It's a great place to get to, I will say, because now we know what we really want. We're no longer so driven. We're much more in touch with the deepest desires of the human heart. And we're at peace, waiting and letting God be God in our lives. So it's it's a beautiful thing. Um, we realize that we can't go back to the kind of drivenness that we have allowed to be a motivating force in our lives. And uh, so we don't know exactly what the future is. We haven't gotten to that you know, mm-hmm. place of experiencing the presence of God yet, but we're also not willing to go back. And uh, so th- there's a peace in this place, even though we're recognizing that the chaos is within and not without. And mm-hmm. it's an important movement in the spiritual life. As you're talking it, I uh, realize that so m- without that sense of, of desire for God's presence above all things, I tend to associate my peace or lack of it based on an outcome, yes. whether mm-hmm. actual or, or right. hoped for. And this feels qualitatively different. Mm-hmm. This this place of desire, this place of letting go right. of outcomes right. and really wanting presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so what's the payoff? If we're faithful to seeing what we need to see about ourselves, mm-hmm. we're faithful to not fight the false self with the false self, mm-hmm. but we let the true self emerge. Um, and we see the good, the bad, the ugly, (laughs) all those things we do the grieving, the letting go. Um, and if we can release our grasping and clinging Mm -hmm. or learn to do that more and more, what's the payoff? Yeah. Well, Elijah's story shows it to us in, in a very beautiful experience that Elijah has, um, that when he stands firm and doesn't run from the chaos, the earthquake, the wind and the fire, it says that it is followed by the, sh- the sound of sheer silence. Now, different scripture translations struggle to interpret what is actually happening here. So there are several different translations of what's happening in this moment. One translation says there's a sound of a gentle whisper. Another translation says that there is a sound of sheer silence. Another says that there's a sound of a gentle blowing. Isn't that mm. interesting? Yeah, yeah. That the translations really struggle to capture what is happening here. Yeah. But when we look at Elijah's response to this moment, we, we know what's happening. What's happening is that he is experiencing the pure presence of God. And that in the presence, in that presence, the human being doesn't really know what to do. Um, But what Elijah does is he goes to the entrance of the cave and it says that he wraps his face in his mantle, which in that culture was a sign of reverence in the presence of deity. So we know that Elijah knows that he is in the presence of deity and that wrapping his face in his mantle and just standing there very, very still is his response to being in the presence and being reverent in the presence. And also realizing that when you're in the presence and you know you're in the presence, there's nothing to do. Yeah. You can't capture it in words. You can't respond to it in words. The body tells you what to do. And in this case, the wrapping of his face in the mantle, or it could be falling on the ground and mm-hmm. laying oneself face down in God's presence that, um, that there isn't, there are no words for mm-hmm. what happens. And that's why words fail. And that's why words struggle. But we know that Elijah knew he was in the presence now, that once he had let that chaos settle in that sound of sheer silence, this was a very different kind of silence now. It wasn't a silence of emptiness and despair and desperation, but now this is a silence that is full. And it's full of the presence of God. 
And when we experience ourselves, and the emphasis is on experience yeah. right there. This is not about head knowledge. Right. This is about experience. Uh, full body knowing that when we find ourselves in the presence and we know that's where we are, that we're just able to be in that presence reverently and openly and receptively without even trying to do anything human with it. It's a very, very powerful moment in the life of Elijah. And I believe it is a picture of what happens for us as well, that when we have stayed, when we have refused to run, when the chaos has settled... I, I love the fact that that settling that happens in Elijah's life actually corresponds really clearly to the metaphor my own spiritual director used. Mm-hmm. The jar of river water that has now been sitting still long enough for the sediment to settle and the water that can become clear. Then all of a sudden we really know where we are. We yeah. are in the presence. Yeah. Yeah. It also makes me think of the Psalm 131 picture. Right. Of the, the baby resting. who's just, just resting now in you know, the presence, the, the rosy cheeks yeah. and all kind of mm-hmm. drunk with milk yeah. and that's right, um, yeah. asleep but not asleep, maybe yeah. looking, um, yeah. maybe cuddling into your neck yeah, like you described your with your own son. Um, what is it like? I mean, you started to talk about it. Say more. Give us a taste of what you think Elijah experienced in terms of rest a new kind of rest we've talked about rest for the body rest for the mind rest for the soul but remember jezebel as far as me i was still mm-hmm. searching for him right he israel still got all the problems going mm-hmm. on they're worshiping other gods but he is in this cave he he is covered his face with his mantle and um is he outside of mm-hmm. time? Is he outside of a sense of his body? Mm-hmm. What's Well, I don't yeah. know about that. But what I do know is that God is now becoming his ultimate orienting reality. Yes. So that, that you know, what's going on with the Israelites is not his ultimate orienting reality. Jezebel chasing him down. That is no longer his ultimate orienting reality. His ultimate orienting reality is the presence of God. And there he is safe. There he is secure. There he knows who he is. Uh, we'll see in the next uh, chapter, in the next episode, that Elijah receives really good guidance from God for how to go back and how to re- re-engage his life. But we know now that those other external realities are no longer his ultimate orienting realities, but the presence of God now is. And that is a very solid place for a person to get to and for a leader to get to, that no matter what is going on around us, it's not ultimate. The presence mm. of God, the nearness of God, where we find ourselves in God is the ultimate reality. And I think it corresponds to the Colossians passage that talks about our lives hidden with Christ in God. Yeah, that yeah. as Christian people now, we experience our real lives, our true selves, hidden with Christ in God, where we are ultimately safe and where there is no threat. There's mm. nothing that can be lost mm. when we find ourselves in this place with God. It's quite a freeing place. It's quite a solid place to be standing. That is beautiful. So um, I'm going to read a quote from this chapter that you wrote that I loved. Uh, This is the most important kind of knowing in the human experience, and it comes only as we are quiet enough to let the faithful presence of God hold us in our brokenness until our brokenness is healed by love. Mm -hmm. So say more about that as it relates to um, experiencing God in that brokenness rather than scrambling to try to fix mm-hmm. it with our mind. Yeah. Well, Parker Palmer has a quote that I just love where he says that solitude eventually offers a quiet gift of grace. Mm-hmm. And it is a gift that comes whenever we are able to face ourselves honestly, 
the gift of acceptance, of compassion for who we are as we are. As we allow ourselves to be known in solitude, we discover that we are known by love. Beyond the pain of self-discovery, there is a love that does not condemn us, but calls us to itself. This love receives us as we are. Isn't that something? Mm. And I'm telling you, you know, Protestant Christianity in some ways is a very judgmental kind Mm -hmm. of religious expression. And I don't think it's always true to who God is. I don't think God is nearly as condemning and judgmental as we have sometimes painted God to be. That there is much more unconditional acceptance and solitude leads us into that. Solitude leads us into that experience of this unconditional loving acceptance. And of course, um, we all know that phrase that God loves us as we are, but too much to leave us as we are. And of course that's true because we're not living an abundant life when we're stuck in the bondage to our false selves or anything like that. But the motivating, the motivating force within God is not judgment and condemnation. It is this great love that calls us to itself, loves us unconditionally, and also leads us to transcend ourselves in love. Well, I think for our Catholic brothers and sisters who are listening, one of the things I love about about Catholic theology is they don't they don't separate justification and mm-hmm. sanctification, whereas yeah. Protestants really felt the need yeah. to say, no, you're justified because mm-hmm. um, God looks at you and sees Jesus. And, and there's something beautiful about that yeah. and even graceful about that. And then you do the work of sanctification. But there's also something kind of like, I actually would like God to look at me. Right. <laughs> and, and because of some mysterious atoning work that Jesus did, he loves me and he accepts me and he justifies me Um, well it's very much let's go to you know to a human relationship that's like that i mean the the relationship that a parent has with their child is very much like that Mm -hmm. that you you if 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 you are a a good loving parent you accept your children unconditionally and you see them uh in their potential as well as in the place that they are currently and you see what they might be able to become and um a loving parent is present to what is in the yeah. child as opposed to always working so hard to change them. I, th- I mean, that's the way I experience it. Just how deeply I want to accept my children and see them as they are and have them experience unconditional love and acceptance with me. Even while at the same time, my role as a parent is to always foster their growth and their becoming mm-hmm. who they can be, you know? I mean, that's, that's where I kind of locate. God is, is a better loving parent than yeah. I am or that you are. And all of that's present yeah. with God relative to us. The other thing is God is profoundly beyond time. Right. So God doesn't just see us as we are now. God in every moment is seeing us mm-hmm. as we are and as we will be and who we can be and mm-hmm. who we're becoming. It's all one to God because God is beyond time in some way that we can't fully understand. It's not quite so linear with God, I don't think. Good point. I love that. It reminds me of um, one of, this was a while ago, but someone on the staff that I worked at Mm -hmm. and I was their supervisor. And I remember I would tell this person, oh man, I see so much potential in you Mm -hmm. and I see what you're becoming. And I see, and I was, I was trying to be very encouraging. And then finally they came back to me and said, thank you for that. But I need to hear a little more. Like you appreciate me right yes, now. Yes, that <laughs> is know? excellent. And I was like, oh That's my a gosh. really great point. Yeah. Because we all want that. We yeah. all want to be seen like that. Yeah, as we are. As we are and for all that we are yeah. right now. I think God does it better than we do, though. I, <laughs> Don't I, you? Yes, thank God. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, 
I see the potential in you can be interpreted as like a, yeah, you're not enough right now, get, but you're not better, enough right quick. now. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we talked quite a bit about the false self and the true self. And I wonder if, um, as, as we're in this place and, and God is meeting us, here's my question. Um, does God see the false self? Or does God only see the true self? And maybe well, it doesn't oh boy. matter. Steve, you ask me questions that I can't possibly know. I don't know what God sees. You're exactly um, the person to answer this question. <laughs> yes. That's always my answer. Yes. You're exactly the person um, to answer this question. Yeah. So I think I, I think probably God does see it, but sees it as sort of a husk. Now yeah. that's one of the ways that the, the folks in the centering prayer movement would talk about the false self being a husk, an empty husk that isn't who we really are, but it is, it is there, mm-hmm. you know, it is there. And God's loving desire towards us is that we could leave the empty husk mm-hmm. behind and live as that, you know, grain of wheat that has fallen into the ground and died so that it can emerge as life, you know? Yeah. Oh, see, you just did. And you did it in like mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, Brendan Manning in his book, Obstacle, I think, writes a letter to his false self, mm-hmm. thanking the false mm-hmm. self for doing yes. what he could never do as a child, protecting him. Right. And so there's this gratitude for the false self. But then there was a letting go. There was a, yeah. and now I don't, I don't need, need you it anymore. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like the kind of place that Elijah is moving into at this right. point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and you see it, you know, moving, moving us beyond being overly concerned about the external threats um, about the things that we've been afraid of, the primal anxieties that we haven't been able to manage. Yeah. Um, it moves us beyond that. Beautiful. Um, okay, last question, Ruth, before we get to the practice. Um, I have to be honest, when we get to this part of the story, when Elijah experiences God in that pure, still place, I have to acknowledge I feel a little jealous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, I, I feel like it's been a long time since I've had that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to just notice that without right. judging it too much. What am I doing wrong? Um, I, I, I'm not going to ask that question. But what questions, um, just, just questions, what questions would you ask a person like me who might be feeling that kind of thing in this place? Mm. Well, I mean, the first thing I might ask is, is about the practice, you know, one's mm-hmm. practice of solitude and silence. Is there, are, is there enough time and space for this kind of encounter? Yeah. Um, because we're busy, let's face it. And we give God what we can, but it's often short. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I have to mention too that w- this book is written out of a very substantive experience of solitude and silence, a couple of years where I actually dropped out of everything just to focus on, you know, what needed to be stripped away, just to be present to God, just to let go of some attachments that had been driving me for a long time. And I will say that there was an intimacy during that two years Hmm. that it's harder to find in the same way when I'm only able to give God the shorter periods of time, give God and give my own soul the mm-hmm. shorter periods of time. Um, now, there have also been times since then, because it's been 15 years now, when I've been able to set aside extended periods of time, like an eight-day retreat. We'll talk about that in the next yeah. um, season. Um, and I have had those encounters again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that what we experience with God is sometimes a function of 
time and how much time we're able to give it only because our inner chaos settles and our human attachments and grasping and clinging and all those things that we're so attached to right now do have a chance to fall away and we do have a chance to experience this ultimate orienting reality. And I think Elijah's story shows us there that there is a function of time yeah. as it has to do with solitude and silence. I mean, think about it. He, We don't know how long he rested, but then he did go on the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights till he came to horror of the mountain of God. We don't know how long he was there. We don't know how long he had to stay in that chaos before the settling started to come. So Elijah's story does show us time, mm-hmm. that it takes time to settle down and to experience God in this in this way as the ultimate orienting reality of our lives. So that's why sometimes um, our desire draws us and God leads us into extended times of retreat, which we will talk about in and the next season. episode yeah. or in the next season, because, because that is a real dynamic. And so I too sometimes long for what I experienced early on when I was able to pull myself back for a couple years, even at that time. Um, or what I've experienced on these longer retreats. I long for it myself, and hopefully I let that longing draw me to order my life and to arrange my life for those opportunities from time to time. And for those of you who just can't wait for the season to drop, Mm. um, you can actually order Ruth's new book. It just came out. It's called Invitation to Retreat. The link will be on the show notes. Um, And it's actually a beautiful book. I can't wait for Mm. the podcast season. But as I read through it, it's not only a book about retreat, but it's a book to take with you on retreat. Yes, to lead you in step by step to these longer retreat experiences. So even as you're, if you've been listening to this season, Invitation to Solitude and Silence, these two books are really companions. Mm -hmm, Um, They are. And I think for anyone who's longing to to really know how to be led, because you need to be led if you don't know right. where to go. Oh man, need I needed my I needed the guidance of a spiritual yeah. director, and so in this book and in Invitation to Retreat, my whole goal is to function as a spiritual director because mm-hmm. I know not everybody can find a spiritual director, and so my whole goal as a trained spiritual director is to try to provide that in book form. It's you know obviously we need the human director if possible, but if we don't have that. Um, the book, I hope, will serve as spiritual direction for your journey into retreat. Let me tell you, I think it really does. First of all, the chapters are very short. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very... Very much like this yeah, book. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very easy to, to digest. It's not this heady yeah. uh, concepts yeah. and theory. 15-page chapters, which a couple of my other books <laughs> do have those. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyway, so again, it's called Invitation to Retreat. Uh, go on the show notes and uh, click on the link and you can order that book and and I think you'll love it. Uh, Okay, how about a practice to close out this episode? All right. Well, as always, we take our several deep breaths because it helps us to come in touch with ourselves as creatures in the presence of our creator and as souls in God's presence enlivened by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Let's take our deep breaths. So I pray you're starting to enjoy this breathing 
um, and that in the breathing you find yourself letting so many other cares and concerns fall away you're able to be, just be present with what God is doing within you so as we're quiet in God's presence today continue to reflect on God's question at the end of the last episode what are you doing here and add your own name to it so what are you doing here Steve what are you doing here Ruth And as you sit with that question, is there any awareness that comes to you as you're with that question? Any new awareness? Any area of your life where God is illuminating your need to be transformed, where you're more in touch with your clinging and grasping and how you've allowed other aspects of life other than God to become your ultimate orienting reality? Notice the places where you've resonated with what we've described here. Um, the places where you're becoming aware of clinging and grasping, where you're aware of the false self that now needs to fall away. Maybe there's even a little bit of anxiety about not knowing who you'll be if you allow the false self stuff to fall away, but just notice the anxiety and do it anyway. Let it fall away. Um, Maybe you're at the point of desperation where you realize that what most needs to be done you've not been able to do. And so you give yourself to God more fully to let him do what most needs to be done in your life. You might even be experiencing what Elijah experienced in terms of that pure presence where you are now knowing and experiencing the presence of God as your ultimate orienting reality and you hardly know what to do. But in all of these cases, what we do is to just stay and not run and not distract ourselves. We just stay with whatever it is that we're experiencing today. Knowing that God has this uncanny ability to do what is most needed. So like Elijah, we allow our body to express reverence as we're in the presence and we just stay with it. Today, as we bring ourselves out of the silence by praying the Lord's Prayer, imagine yourself joining with Christ as he prays this prayer with his disciples. And in the praying of this prayer, allow it to anchor you to the unchanging, ultimate reality of your own life, who is God, your loving parent. And also open your hands to receive the kingdom of God as it comes to you now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, our ultimate orienting reality. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth and in my life, as it is in heaven. And lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen.
Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you, and there are three ways that you can respond. One is going to patreon.com, search for Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, and you can become a monthly patron at various levels. Second is that you can share your favorite episode with friends. And third is you can go onto iTunes and leave a rating and review. To find out more about the Transforming Community Experience or to apply, go to transformingcenter.org. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Maybe.